Uh, when I was a, a young pastor on, on staff at a church with multiple pastors, we were having a guest speaker fly in to speak at our church. The guest speaker was my hero. In fact, I used to say, I want to play football like Junior Seau and preach like, I won't tell you the name of the guy, John Doe was his, his name. So when the arrangements were being made, they said, Aaron, would you like to pick up the pastor from the airport? Well, that was a great opportunity. I was pretty excited about it. But I was driving an old beat-up car that my grandma had given to me. Or actually, I just took it home from my grandma's funeral, just uh, my, my wonderful grandma that I love. But it was an old car. <laughs> so, so I felt self-conscious about that. So I asked, like, you know, I said, can I, can I use someone else's car? And the, the senior pastor, he said, well, oh, oh so-and-so, the, the guest speaker, it'll be good for him to be picked up in a humble car. I should have known that this story was not going to turn out good right away. I mean, we're getting off to a bad start in this whole experience. So one of my colleagues said, you can take my car. It was, a little, it was newer, and, and I felt more comfortable. So we arranged to meet at the church on the day of the arrival, and I would take the other car, but this was pre-cell phone days, and so he never arrived because he had forgotten, because for those of you who don't know, when you didn't have a cell phone, people could conveniently forget things they didn't want to do. It was great, and, and oh, I forgot about that. So I'm an early kind of guy. I like getting to places early, but at this point, the timeline was starting to get smaller, so I made the decision. I'm going to go head towards the airport. As I headed towards the airport, this was back when Briley was being expanded from two lanes to eight lanes, and I was in standstill traffic. It was really, really a bummer. And so I'm getting really nervous, and I'm watching the clock, and I'm imagining me being late to pick up my hero, but I actually made it through, and because I'd left so early, I, I made it there on time. Not much time, but I did make it there on time. Unfortunately, when I went to the luggage area, I saw this famous preacher kind of scurrying about looking for somebody. His flight had arrived earlier, but there was no indication for that. And the plans that I had made to be there early didn't work out because I was stuck in traffic. You with me? Uh, it was not good. So I saw him. I could tell that he was frazzled, a little upset. And I was now frazzled and a little upset. We went back to the parking garage. And guys, I couldn't find my car at that point. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, where is it? You know, and so... I remember him saying, well, they all start looking the same, don't they? I'm like, yeah, they sure do. You're not helping me right now. But uh, I, did, I couldn't find the car. And so we finally got into the car, and we get out of the airport. And once I had paid the, the, the person, who, who, the parking ticket person, and we're, we're moving, this famous pastor decided it was time to give me a lecture about punctuality. And so he just gave me a good old-fashioned tongue lashing. And so I'm like, this is not good. I'm going to get him to my hotel and get out of here. Well, we got stuck in the same traffic going the other way. So now I'm stuck in this car with this guy who just chewed me out. And uh, I'm upset and he's mad. And it was a terrible, terrible situation. So th this is actually, it was actually a good thing for me. Because early on in my ministry, it, it allowed me to realize idolizing people you know, it, it, it's something that we all have a tendency to do, but, but really, we, we put people on a pedestal that no one can live up to those expectations. The guy was having a bad day. He was ticked off that I was late. I'm sure he's a great guy. I've heard he's a great guy. And, and then I, I remember now hearing 
that um, I've done things like that accidentally on a bad day. You know, I've done things, not necessarily uh, an airport story, but I have a friend of mine who, he's about five years younger than me, and he, he pastors right now one of the fastest growing churches in the nation in Clarksville. And we're very close friends. I have the privilege of being an overseer there. But he told me a couple of years ago, he said, Aaron, when we first met, you were pastoring a big youth group and you were speaking at a conference and I tried to meet you and, and you, you snobbed me. I'm like, what, me? How could I have done that? I don't remember that. I still don't believe him. I still don't believe that I did that. But it, it, at least that was his perception. And so it was just a bad day. So these, these things happen anytime that, you know, we, we put humans on a, a pedestal, it, it, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. I decided after that, you know, I'm going to have heroes who I don't know. And so there's one pastor that I just thought he was just so wise and humble. And I, I met people who knew him, said he was a great guy. And I literally told Beth, I don't ever want to meet him because he's just, he just, his ministry is blessing me from afar. I don't need to meet him personally. And man, unfortunately, he had to retire early because he had some accusations against him. And I don't know the details of those, but I do know that, wow, there's another example of if you put your hope too much in a person, and if that person is the one that you're trying to emulate, and that person is the one who's your only inspiration, and that person is the one who's your standard, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. And this is not unique to us here in the 21st century because God's people dealt with this in the story that Pastor Aubrey read when they selected an earthly king over the leadership of God. And that's why the title of my message to teaching today is The Dangers of an Earthly King. The, the Bible talks about being a role model. The Apostle Paul wrote, follow me as I follow Christ. So there should be some expectations of leadership and modeling and and setting a good example. But what happens is this, is when we put people at a place beyond simply a godly example, but we begin to place mankind, or an individual, a man or a woman, on the throne. And that person becomes our standard. And that person becomes our inspiration. And that person becomes the one to whom we look to. Then... We put someone in the place where God is supposed to be. What happens is this, is instead of the hard work of self-leadership, we want someone else to lead us. And when we want someone else to lead us, it goes beyond just the positive aspects of leadership. We, we, we're saying, don't just lead me, think for me. If there's a matter where we need to form a carefully crafted opinion based off Scripture, based off our experiences, based off the tradition that, that we hold as valuable. We don't do the hard work of thinking. We just wait for this other person to think for us. We, we wait for this other person to provide for us. We put that person as king, and this could be someone famous that we don't know, or it could be someone we do know. Maybe it's even a family member. We let them live through us instead of fully living ourselves. And God is saying, I don't want you to make another person your king or your queen. I want to be your leader. I want to be the one who inspires you. I want to be the one that you hear from, 
that you form your values based off who I am. So here's the dangers of an earthly king. I'll give you some, some, some points today. It exposes our dependency on an earthly hero. I've already kind of talked about this. But let's look at the scripture we've already, already read together. Verse 5. They said to him, look, you are old. This is to Samuel. Your sons don't walk in your ways. Therefore, appoint a king to judge us the same as all the other nations have. Here is the problem. This this idea of like, we need that king. We need that hero. We need that one particular person. And Samuel tried to talk him out of it. But look at verse 19. The people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we must have a king over us. What is that about us? That we have to have that king. We have to have that that person who is the dominant personality in our life when when it unfortunately replaces God and who God wants to be in our life. Now, I study leadership and I get a chance to teach leadership and I believe in all these different leadership theories that have originated in the heart of God. And leadership really is not complicated. Um, Here's a real basic point to leadership. Somebody has to be in charge. You've heard this before. If you have two heads, you have a monster. I believe that. Even if you're part of a group where everyone says nobody's in charge here, we're just one happy family, we're just one happy committee here, go sit through a meeting and you'll find out who's in charge by whoever talks the most and whoever, whoever, wherever the heads turn in the meeting, that's the person in charge. And so this all comes really from God's plan and it comes from scripture. And we see that even before the Jewish people demanded a king like they did in this passage, that God was always using unique people for different eras to lead his people. And the, the, most, the, the, the closest one here is Samuel himself. We talked about Samuel last week. Samuel was a generational prophet. He was set aside for God, uh, God's purposes, and he spoke God's word uh, in a unique way that transformed a nation. And this, this trend continues all through the New Testament, even after Jesus ascended to heaven. The Jerusalem church was very much attached to James, the half-brother of Jesus. He was the leader of that church. Scripture tells us that Paul was a dominant personality in Antioch, as from the city of Antioch the gospel went throughout the world. Tradition tells us that Peter had a dominant force of leadership in Rome. These are examples from the Old Testament to the New Testament, how God does use leaders and he does use unique leaders. But here is the difference. God's people are not to serve the leader. The leader is to serve God's people. Spiritual leadership is about serving God's people and being a servant to them. Spiritual leaders are not kings. Spiritual leaders should be servant leaders in the spirit of Jesus. Jesus said the way you lead is you serve. Unfortunately, because of our wickedness, we have to create all these kings in our life. Sometimes they're social media kings. It's amazing to me that if someone is agile on social media, all of a sudden their opinion actually means more than someone you are in relationship with that you can look in the eye. I mean, I'm I'm amazed by that. We, we, We sometimes, there's this like fake reality out there that somehow people who are good at social media or disciplined at posting actually are smarter about 
about matters that are important instead of people we could actually talk and reason with and, and actually get perspectives from. And so it is, this happens over and over again. We want that king. This is what the earthly king does for us. Number two, it, it, this desire for him feeds our, our desire for cultural imitation. We, we want to be like the culture. And look at verse 6. It says, give us a king to judge us. Give us a king. And Samuel considered their demands wrong. So he prayed to the Lord. And look at verse 20. This is, was their motivation. Then we will be like all other nations. Our king will judge us, go up before us, and fight our battles. This is this weakness that we have is to be affirmed, to be like everyone else in the world, to, to, to be accepted. And this is where we fool ourselves. We think that we are doing God a favor if other people accept us, if other people um, think that we are, are relevant, if other people think that we are understanding, we think that we're doing God a favor as if we're making God more cool or making God uh, more uh, famous or making God uh, more desirable. But God doesn't need us to affirm him. Uh, God stands alone as holy, and he stands alone as special. And, and it's not our job to make God trendy. It's our job to submit to God in obedience. And what's happened is this. It's often, in my life at least, my, my desire to, to, to be like everyone else, my desire not to stick out, my desire just to kind of fit in, I, I'm living my life as if I just want people to say, affirm me, include me, like me, make me feel like I'm, I'm like you. And then what happens is this, is this desire for uh, affirmation from culture causes us to have this weak, kind of watered down Christianity, not a life of passion for Jesus, not a life that's sold out to him, but we're always just trying to kind of fit God in convenient places. We're trying to adapt God to the times. We're, we're trying to uh, serve God in, in such a way that um, we, 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 can, we can fit in with the world and then when it's the right time, we'll include God in if it's not too offensive or doesn't make people feel uncomfortable. You see the weaknesses in that? This, this desire to, to put other people as the standard that God wants to be in. And God said, let me be on the throne. Here's number three. Our desire for an earthly king, it becomes an undiscerned rejection of God. And this is where I've been before. Where because I wanted to be friends with the world and what, I wanted to be popular with the world and I wanted even, I fooled myself to think that if I was more popular, I could make Jesus more popular. I was really rejecting God. I was really rejecting his purposes for me. I was really rejecting who, who he is. Look at verse seven and eight. The Lord told them, listen to the people and everything they say to you. They've not rejected you. They have rejected me as their king. You guys, this is why this scripture is so powerful to us today. 
Because we have this tendency to keep rejecting God, rejecting God. I don't know you people. I know that you love the Lord. You love the Lord. And if I would ask you today, are you rejecting the Lord? You'd say, no way. No way. I'm not rejecting the Lord. But we reject the Lord in very subtle ways. We don't want his leadership. We don't want his, um, his insight. We don't check with God about the issues of our life. Right? We, 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 don't, we don't make things a matter of prayer. And then simply, God wants to protect us and he loves us. And there's some stuff, sometimes just following God is just hard. Can we just be honest? Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes following God costs us. Sometimes there's, there's loneliness when we, when we follow God because we know that that place that we want to go is not healthy for us and doesn't please the Lord. And so there might be a time of loneliness. Sometimes we're in a relationship that's destructive. In that relationship, we may enjoy it. We may feel chemistry with that person. But that relationship is killing the life of God within us. And if you're not married to that person... You know, if you're married, it's a different conversation. But if you're not married to that person and that's a destructive relationship, you you need to seek the Lord and you need to put the Lord first. Put put the Lord first in your life. These are are the things. I'm not talking here about kings, these famous people we don't know. A A lot of times the kings and the queens in our lives are the people that we're in relationship with, but they're so important to us that they're really on the throne and they're really calling the shots. So guys... I know you don't reject God intentionally. But man, we, we reject God unintentionally so often. Later on this afternoon, you can read the very complicated gospel reading of Mark chapter 3. And in Mark chapter 3, Jesus was rejected by people who, who actually accused Jesus of, of, of operating under demon possession. And, and they, they totally cut Jesus off. And what they didn't realize is that they, they were rejecting the plan of God. And, and they were rejecting uh, what God, God was doing just because it didn't fit in their paradigm or their expectations. Here's, here's the last thing I want to say to you. Number four is our desire for an earthly king brings negative consequences of trusting man instead of God. There's a predictable pattern when human beings have ultimate power, corruption will occur. This is one of the reasons why we, we admire President George Washington, because he could have likely become a king, but he wanted the power not to be in one person, but to be among the people. And so, so he, he was an example of humility, and he was an example of deference that he he wanted to make sure the power for us as a people was not in one person but was in many because he knew as the prophet Samuel did that inevitably what would happen is when one person has too much power corruption happens and if you look at verse 10 through 18 on your own time you'll see that that Samuel predicted you listen he said what's going to happen is they're going to take your children and the king is going to overwork them and he's going to send them to war and they're going to die deaths and they're going to live lives of oppression because you are choosing for power to be in one person instead of power being through the worship of God as God intended it to be. And so look at verse 18 and we can see that. He said this, and when that day comes, you will cry out because of the king you've chosen for yourself. When that day comes, you will cry out before because of the king you've chosen for yourself. So brothers and sisters, I just ask you today, who is your king? 
Who is your king? Listen, we know what the right answer is. We know that Christ is the king, the king of kings, the king of glory. And we come to weekly worship because we remind ourselves again that the voices that we we are listening to, we're allowing others to be on the throne that only God is supposed to be upon. See, God is looking for us in Genesis chapter 3, starting with verse 8. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the same time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. Verse 9, So the Lord called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? And guys, this is what God is saying to us today. The Father's heart is saying, Where are you? Where are you? I want to be in fellowship with you. I want to know you. I, I, I'm, I, I want to have a friendship with you. And I want, to be, I want to be your leader. Not some earthly king. Not some earthly queen. Not someone who is going to take that power and, and affect your future in a negative way. Let me, be, let me be the one who's in charge of your life. As Beth's coming up to to lead us to a time of, of dedication to the Lord. I, I want to read the psalm for the day, which is so beautiful. Psalm 138, verse 8, and I'm just speaking this over you. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Lord, your faithful love endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Do you know what the work of the Lord's hands are? It's us. We're the work of his hands, and he's forming, he's shaping He's shaping our hearts. He's shaping our spirits. He's shaping us in in ways that we can't even see. And so I'm so proud of you for being at church today. I'm so glad you're here today. Listen, uh, listen, I I hope you're feeling encouraged today. Uh, One thing I didn't want to do, I did not want to just beat up dads today, poor dads on Father's Day. They just get plummeted by the, you know, just hit and hit by the pastor. For all fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, men and women here the Lord is calling you and he's saying where are you where are you where are you come and this is this is the prayer I speak over you the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me Lord your faithful love endures forever do not abandon the work of your hands let's let's just stand in the attitude of prayer let's just stand in the attitude of prayer